1: Relax, And lets you see the bigger picture. you Stefan, you're worrying me. Relax, out of this. Stefan. Your fate has been dictated. You're not in control. Hello, and welcome to another Slate Spoiler Special. I'm Sam Adams, the senior editor at Slate, and today I'm joined by Kathryn Van Arendonk, staff writer at Vulture. Fans of the anthology series Black Mirror got a surprise at the end of 2018. Instead of the show's eagerly awaited fifth season, what turned up on Netflix was an interactive film called Bandersnatch. Like an adventure game or a choose-your-own-adventure book, the story, devised by Black Mirror creator, Charlie Brooker, allows you to make decisions as you go. Some of the choices are comically inane, which sugary cereal to have for breakfast. Some are momentous, should your character, a teenage computer programmer named Stefan, accept a job at a legendary software developer or break out on his own. The choices get more important as you go, and so does Stefan's conviction that he's not in control of his own actions. Eventually, he tries to rebel against the unseen force compelling him to act. That is, you. And the results are, well, you decide. Here to help me sort through Bandersnatch and its many permutations is Catherine VanArendonk. Catherine is a staff writer at Vulture and a co-host of the Appointment TV podcast and one of my favorite writers on television anywhere. Aww. Catherine, thank you for joining me.
0: Thanks. That's It's so nice to be here. Yes.
1: Uh, thank you to New Jersey Transit for making that happen. <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: Um, so before we start dissecting Bandersnatch, let us talk about what it is. Um, I filed a piece on its multiple endings for Slate, and the main question I got from the copy desk was, What is this thing? Is it an episode? Is it a movie? Is it something else? Um, What do you think?
0: Okay, so I was thinking about this initially, and I was like, this is a movie or it's a game, but it's not an episode of television. And like, I felt very strongly that was my initial response. And thinking back through that... It might be an episode of television, but if it is, first of all, it's no episode of television I want. But secondly, <laughs> it I, I truly feel that the, the choose-your-own-adventure game elements of it are enough of a formal difference that it's probably none of those things. That it's probably separated off into its own genre enough that to call it an episode of TV is no more meaningful or helpful as far as trying to categorize what it is than if you had actually just tried to describe it as this as this new thing. Um, like if I said to somebody, this is, it's an episode of Black Mirror, I've, I don't think that's an adequate <laughs> description of what's happening here. Um, because as you are working through trying to select all of these different pathways and there are all of these different endings, right, the existence of all of these endings sort of next to each other, instead of each other, separate from each other, for me, turns it into an experience that is very unlike any kind of television experience um, that I think of when I think I'm watching a television show. It feels like a game. It feels much more like video games than I have that I have played than it does any TV show I've watched.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of... I mean, I, I was firm against sort of calling it a movie, mm-hmm. um, in part... Um, I think it's a little behind the scenes speak, but the reason the copy desk was asking me is because you italicized the title of a movie and you put the episode, the title of a TV episode, in quotes. Yeah, sure. And because um, this movie is about a character, Stefani, who I mentioned, who is trying to create this computer game and the story set in, in 1984. We should mention for those of you who have not um, watched, played, sampled, yes, whatever verb, uh, who have not blanked uh, Bandersnatch. It is set in 1984. Um, Stefan is trying to program this game. The game is called Bandersnatch. The game is in, is an adaptation of a sort of literary choose-your-own-adventure sci-fi novel, which I don't think is a thing that's ever existed, but it is an adaptation of a novel of that form that is also called Bandersnatch. So I really, in part, just wanted an excuse to put the name of the Black Mirror thing in quotes sure, so t- that we weren't talking about three different things called Bandersnatch all in italics.
0: Yeah, so... Because Black Mirror is an anthology series and each episode is its own story, it's already sort of playing in a different space than if I say I'm watching an episode of Friends, right? Like it, the anthology episodic thing is sort of like a subset of, of TV episodes generally. And so when, when you call them an episode of the same television show, what you're doing is you're saying they are a set that are still speaking to each other somehow, right? Th- thematically. Um, they're interested in... Um, technology and dystopia and like near futures and and uh, uh, strange alternate pasts and that that sort of a thing, and so in that sense, like it is an episode of Black Mirror. It's still playing in all of that same thematic space, right? Um, it's about the intersection of technology and the self, and the self is sometimes us and it's sometimes the character, which is also all Black Mirror episodes. Um, and so, yeah, if you call it an episode of Black Mirror, you are still meaningfully assigning it to kind of that that theoretical that that thematic idea. But because I don't think it's a TV episode, like I would be finicky and I would call it like an installment of Black Mirror. Right. Again, a distinction probably without a difference for most people.
1: Right. Except for except for the Emmys, yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's true. Yes. <laughs> um no, I mean for, for me like the Black Mirror kind of started out like a few years ago. It was just kind of this cult thing that Mm. like your cool friends who knew how to torrent stuff knew about. Um, And then it got on Netflix and it became and this is before they even started making new episodes for that. But the first two seasons and the Christmas special, I think, kind of ended up on Netflix. And all of a sudden it was this much closer to a mass culture thing. And that sort of brought a new degree of of scrutiny to it. And it, it kind of became just by virtue of changing context, like a little more kind of ticky, like people sort of started interpreting it in that way, which hadn't really happened before, and instead of kind of being this, like, cool thing that you just knew about and kind of liked, it was all of a sudden more like, what is this, like, really saying?
0: Let's make it speak to the world.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there is, I mean, it's a show about how we interact with technology that the title of it, Black Mirror, comes from basically your phone, you know, and has this implication of, of dystopia, but kind of, like, reflecting ourselves back to ourselves, so it does call for a certain amount of that, but the ones that work best for me, um, and it's also interesting because as an anthology series, everyone kind of looks at it in a slightly different way. If you look at, at people love to rank the episodes, and nobody ranks them the same way, and there are people that, um, critics that I love, and love reading, and often uh, find insightful you know, things of what they say, and then I will look at their rankings of Black Mirror and I'll be like, What? What is wrong with you? How can you put the pick one first? I mean, this is right. Black yeah.
0: Mirror is your it's it's your own choose your own adventure, right? right. Like pick, picking your own Black Mirror episode is is a personality test in a way. Right. So um, I will yeah. I will
1: reveal myself, say my favorite is um, one called The Entire History of You, which is about mm. sort of um, basically what if we had like little recording cameras in our eyes. Um and for me, what it's what the show does best is kind of take a, a sort of theoretical near future technology and then extrapolate not how it's intended to be used, but how we would actually use it. So th- this is, you know, the idea be- be behind this technology would be like, oh, you can, you know, sort of play back like precious moments in your family or you can remember where you put your keys. And of course, in the episode, it becomes like you can check whether your spouse is cheating on you or something. And, and it's just like much more. Because it's a thing that I've sort of wished for sometimes Whenever like, oh, I wish I, I saw this thing. Like, I wish I sort of had that. I didn't capture it. And I wish I had. And then you think about it for 30 seconds. And you're like, well, no, actually, that would be really bad yeah. if we had that. Because it would, Right. Um, so it does that really well. And so one of my questions with Bandersnatch is, like, what even is this? Um, because for one thing, it's not set in the near future. It is set in, right. in the past. Except
0: for a tiny bit, one of the yes. endings. Oh, oh.
1: It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it is this technology the the in-story technology is the thing that already existed is, is sort of this relentlessly almost like corny thing where it's just this little, you know, yes, no, pick one path, pick the other path kind of story. But then there's the technology that you have um, in your TV if you're using the right kind of device. And mm-hmm. I should probably mention that there are. I think in particular, Apple TV and Chromecast are the two things that it does not
0: work on. Or a Fire TV. Yes, yeah. or
1: or Fire TV. Coincidentally, the ones manufactured by Netflix's main rivals in the streaming content. Um, oh,
0: funny coincidence. That is weird. So yes. strange.
1: But it does, it works in the Netflix app. Um, I watched it on an iPad, which felt, to me, at least like the right way yeah. to watch it. It, felt, it feels like sort of a tactile yeah. experience. And that also allows you to, when you're, Cycling back through various um, choices and scenes you've already been through, you can skip through them 10 seconds at a time, which is extremely useful. Helpful. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think it's it's a little interesting to to think about actually why like the the technology of why it doesn't work on those alternate platforms. And it's because Netflix had to develop um, this language called Twine that would let it cache simultaneously the two different videos, because as you select yes or no or one of the options, the most impressive thing about Bandersnatch for me is how absolutely seamless the video is in continuing from, you know, the serial that you chose. So that it is as though your choice is is completely permeating the narrative of this story without ever any kind of bump or hitch or anything. And... In order to do that, Netflix had to have this video technology that perfectly caches both alternatives so that regardless of what you pick, it there's no bump. And so that, that Twine language is not currently supported by Apple or any of the – or the Amazon uh players so it's instead you get this like error message that's like we're sorry we can't we can't offer it to you um which also feels like a very black mirror experience to right. try to be enjoying this thing um for me the question one of the big questions of bandersnatch is whether the story justifies how impressive the viewing experience was
1: Right. I mean, one of the funny things about Black Mirror, too, is it's because in part because it's and this is a sort of a frequent criticism of the show that it it kind of. It, it works off in a fairly sort of narrow vein of kind of dystopian future technology. Yeah. Um, so then it becomes very easy to identify things that feel sort of especially Black Mirror in real life. And you will find yourself going, oh, that's very Black Mirror. Yeah, um, one constantly. Of the, one of the, the funny things I found, um, I interviewed Charlie Brooker for um, a couple years ago for the the season that had the the episode Nosedive in it, among other things. and. I he I found out that Charlie Brooker also does this. He will also go well. Yes, that's a very Black Mirror. So um, he is as much of a Black Mirror dork as anyone else. That's
0: almost upsetting. Yes,
1: it's a little. uh, It's a little like really. It's kind of uh, sort of embarrassingly on the nose.
0: Yeah, yeah. With Lucky Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: As you start playing through the story of Bandersnatch, as I mentioned, you, you are sort of playing, you are. Um, this is another sort of thing that's hard in discussing it is I found myself wanting to do sort of the language of adventure games is the character is you. Yeah. you know. So it's what do you decide to you? Do you First pick up person. the sword? Do you? Yeah. But with this, um, you know, you're actually seeing the character on screen. He's played by an actor named Fionn Whitehead. Um, so it is not... Um, He's still Stefan, you know. So it's it's not quite you. He's the person that you control, but you're not him, um, and that distinction actually becomes um, pretty significant, sort of later in the thing, game episode story. Whatever. Yes. Um, so Stefan is trying to make this game called Bandersnatch, and he has uh, gotten an interview with this uh, company called TuckerSoft, which is kind of this, um, I guess, sort of like Activision or something like that, like a big sort of '80s game developer. Um, And it's the home of uh, Colin Rittman, who's this very sort of hot um, sort of idolized game designer played by by Will Poulter, um, who I think is like his performance is one of the things that I like most Mm. about it. He has has, has sort of got these very huge pointed eyebrows and this dyed blonde hair and this and really sort of inhabits that kind of um, very, you know, full of himself, thinks he's, you know, maybe a lot more interesting than he is, kind of software guy. who yeah. thinks that because he can program games, he has all these insights into humanity and things like that. So um, anyway, so Stefan has this interview with them. Um, he's pitching them Bandersnatch. Um, and one of the, f- the first significant choice in the game after you decide whether you're going to have uh, sugar puffs or frosted flakes... Um, and what uh, music you listen to on the bus ride over is whether or not you want to, he, he immediately, the meeting seems to go very well, he immediately gets this very exciting offer um, to come in-house and work on the game, his game Bandersnatch there. Um, and they sort of tell him, like, well, look, you know, we want this out by Christmas, so you're going to have to file it in, in September. It's like June now, so you come on in. We've got our own graphics department. We've got the music guys are starting next week, so we can do it all for you. And you think great. And it says, do you accept their offer? And of course you say yes. Um, and as soon as you do that, the game is over. Colin Rittman looks at you and sort of the camera says like wrong path. Mate. Yeah.
0: It's one of the few moments actually where you don't see Stefan's character. And instead the camera is where his eyes would be so that he is looking straight at like out. It's almost like breaking the fourth wall when he turns and says like wrong path, mate. And you think, oh no. Um, And then it sort of forwards you into one possible ending, which is that Stefan is sitting on the sofa next to his father. And now we fast forward to Christmas and they're watching this like twerpy video game reviewer guy say like, oh, Bandersnatch, it seems like it could have been great, but instead it was really half-baked and try again next time. And so then you get funneled back into this option to take that choice again. And you're like... Oh shoot! I made the I made the wrong choice. Um, I don't know. For me, that that particular because it does feel so obvious. Like you should say, like of course I will accept this one. It's like a it's like a little test. It's like a little test of the whole system, right? It's sort of explaining to you how it all works. That there are wrong choices, or that there are ways of ending it and then shutting everything down and starting again. Because they know you're gonna pick the accept option and they do that very early to sort of like tweak you a little bit as a viewer.
1: Right. I mean, one of the the sort of the nice things about playing this just as a piece of technology is like pretty much every video game now. what The thing it does early on is sort of teach you yeah. how to use it. So there is a little tutorial at the beginning just to make sure you're kind of paying attention and know how to push one button or the other. And then you have these early, very sort of silly, insignificant choices, which are also kind of a goof on just the idea of adventure games giving you these totally meaningless choices that right, don't actually yeah. change anything. And the, the point of this um, sort of you know branch point, I think, is to, because I, I think you're right, I mean, they know you're going to choose the probably the wrong path um, is, to, is to teach you about um, this part of the software that will allow you to reach an ending and then go back to, you don't have to start over every time you kind of quote unquote end the game so it will sort of it may bounce you back to the next decision point and make give you give you a choice of two different decision points to go back to um, sometimes you will just go right back to it sometimes there will be a little sort of previously on montage that will yeah. recap the story just to remind you where you're going to and that works very well and that and that is one of the things that for me as as you because you know you eventually I think the the quickest you can get through the story is, is according to Netflix about 40 minutes um, They said the average playing time is something more like ninety. I think there is. There was a report early on that they had submitted like five hours of footage to some Finnish TV ratings board or something like that. I think I I played through. um, I happened to, for whatever this I I was staying at my in laws. I woke up in the middle of the night. um, It was one of those things where you realize instantly you're just not getting back to sleep. Yeah. Um, It was happened to be three thirty in the morning on the day this thing came out. Oh wow. And I was just like, well. Uh, I'm in bed, I don't really want to get up and do anything, so let me just fire up this thing. And I I think I got through like almost everything in like two and a half hours, so I think that's... Were
0: you fast-forwarding and going back?
1: Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, I was using the 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 skip function and stuff, but I think, uh, and having then gone through, if you go to sort of Reddit now or just Google like uh, Bandersnatch flowchart, there are people who have charted out like Every possible angle you can go in, yeah. Except
0: when I saw that that first flowchart that came out on Friday, I had already hit an option that wasn't on there. Oh, really?
1: Okay. Oh God, I have to go back. (laughs) Um, Yes. So, but I I think the technology does allow you to, even as you were circling back and going through moments you've been through before, um, does allow you to feel like there's some sort of progression in there.
0: Yeah. It's very. It's fascinating, actually, to watch. As you're as you're going through certainly the first time and you start to then cycle back and do experiences again, there are clearly bits of footage that they did so that when you if you hit it the second time rather than the first time. Colin will say something slightly different or Stefan will s- somehow know something that he shouldn't have known this time, except somehow he feels the ghost of these previous playthroughs that you've had. So actually after that, um, after that first accept uh, decline option where you can f- sort of stay in the office and do the game with Tuckersoft or you can go home and do it yourself, you hit um, decline that next time. And then uh, in that second playthrough, you or, uh, Colin and, and Stefan both have these little bits of dialogue where the second time Colin says like, oh yeah, I've read the novel Bandersnatch. I have these feelings about it. The first time he'd played through it, You played through that game. Colin knew nothing about Bandersnatch. He'd never heard of it. So you start to get this sense of like, oh, it's playing with this idea of repeating and going back. And then you wonder how many different alternatives they filmed to each of these scenes, which is very bizarre and sort of ghostly sensation and it's the first hint also that you're like oh it's playing with my experience of playing with it
1: right because there's that little sort of groundhog day element to it where where all yeah. stuff stefan will sort of like rush them through conversations that like he you know he like you've had before even though technically like he hasn't like he doesn't quite you know he doesn't realize that he's sort of cycling back through the same things again um but you do and then the, as you say it kind of plays with that Um, So assuming you make the wrong slash right choice to not take the deal and continue to work on Bandersnatch at home, you sort of keep moving forward through the game. If you at a certain point, you can you can have a sort of longer or shorter conversation with uh, Colin, who has these sort of LSD enhanced ideas that also come from the science fiction author um, Jerome F. Davies, who's kind of based on uh, or inspired by Philip K. Dick. Um, He has all all these ideas about sort of multiple timelines and free will and choice and kind of how every for every choice you make, there's a universe in which you choose the opposite thing and all those things exist exist simultaneously. Um, So therefore, there is kind of no free will, but also no choice you make matters because whatever you do, there's another you doing the opposite thing somewhere else and then so on and so on, sort of down the line. This You know, taken to its extreme means that kind of, well, if you're, um, you know, on the ledge of a balcony and somebody suggests you jump, you know, why not jump? Why not not jump? Um, If you have an argument with your dad, um, why not hit him in the head with a glass ashtray and see what happens? You know, in in a way, these are very sort of like, you know, teenage stoner ideas. Um, Yes. Yes. There is a
0: way in which Colin is the worst. Right? Yes. Because he's just every... Like, he's, like, fight clubby, and he's he's just up there on this balcony being like, do it, man, do it, jump. And you have a choice as the viewer slash player, and you realize that, like, you have to make one of them jump off this balcony, and no matter how high they are, and no matter how meaningless this game is, you are essentially killing a person, right? And I think this is the first moment where I was like, ugh, Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah. Really? Because it, because... My criticism of Black Mirror, not in every case, because, again, we all have our episodes that we do love and this is our personality test. But my <laughs> criticism of Black Mirror is usually that it makes the the darkest version of these thought experiments right? without ever trying to consider what a healthy version would look like. And so in the context of Bandersnatch, what that means is like, what if you made somebody, like, pick a dude to kill? Awesome. Yeah. Smash your dad in the face with an ashtray. Awesome. And and the sort of most innocuous choice is, like, knock your tea over a computer. There's no, there's no choice that is meaningful that is also healthy in this right. game. Like, that's just not what Black Mirror's imaginary is ever interested in. And I have mostly given up with wanting that from it because i have learned now i have played through enough cycles of my own game with this show that i know that like that's not generally what it's about and i try not to expect that from it but in this case it feels particularly pointed and frustrating because over and over again it's asking you to make these choices for your protagonist character self ish that are like take your meds or don't, you know, um, be nice or don't, and the right choice is always like don't take your meds and do it yourself, man. And it it feels like it's it's just not interested in what the functional version of this poor man's life is. And I get it, like it's make it's trying to make a story, you know, interesting. But I would I'm I'm always more invested in Black Mirror. In those rare moments where it is itself more interested in, like, what the slightly more optimistic. And I'm not saying right. I'm not Pollyanna out here. Right. I'm not trying to make it a completely different thing. But but I think we haven't talked to the endings yet, but like none of them are great. Like right. spoiler. None of them are great. And I wonder how it expects me to feel invested in the meaning of the choices that I'm making if all of the options end
1: terribly right What i think we should talk about now is sort of the first big twist in the story as as you're playing through it is um colin either uh dies if you get him to uh, if you get him to jump off the ledge or there's a way where you sort of just skirt around that does thing. Does he and go though, the... or
0: is it a dream sequence
1: well it, it can go either way because it but uh, yeah. but he does sort of disappear from the story at some point either way um and again, we'll probably circle back to this, but like one of the frustrating things about the story and and were the you know the the map of the whole thing, and this is despite finding like certain aspects of it interesting, a way in which I think it, I could certainly like call bullshit on it. Yeah, is that there are definitely choices that seem very interesting in the middle of it, and then you realize that they have no effect on the ending. So it doesn't yes. matter if Colin is disappeared or is dead because you go towards the same ending either way. And mm-hmm. then it's like, well, I, you know, is this a sort of like fate thing or is this just like we didn't want to shoot another ending? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, but he, Stefan sort of falls further under the degree of this of this psychosis um, involving choice and alternate realities and starts to feel, strangely, that someone else is making the choices for him and that he is not in control of his own life. So finally he is sitting down at his computer um trying to resist this impulse and he says you know who you know who is this he starts you know like who is doing this to me you know whoever you are kind of give me a sign just give me a sign and it gives you a choice and and the two things that come up on screen one is a sort of It is a a glyph that I guess has also appeared in a Black Mirror episode called White Bear. And it basically looks like a decision tree. It is kind of one line that branches and then goes into two lines. That is one option. The other option is the logo for Netflix. Yes.
0: Yes. Now, there is also an alternate version of this, right? Because there is one one where he sits down at that computer and it's actually um, Pax versus White Bear. So, again, there's like... All of these like various alternate, but yeah, it's clearly funneling you toward the Netflix moment at yes. some point in some version of it. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that is, and you, if you do that, like you start, um, you, 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 who's, and this is where the you, who is controlling this thing and Stefan are very dramatically separate because then you, if you pick Netflix, then this text starts coming up on a screen saying like, "I am watching you on Netflix. I control what you do," and then you have, and you can kind of. Im- Stefan's Short. like,
0: what's Netflix? And then you have to try to explain it to him. This is my favorite moment. Not, I feel like it's, it's deeply up its own butt, which is my general reading of Bandersnatch. Yeah. Um, but it is at least the funniest moment, and I, I laughed when I got to it the first time. I still giggled a little bit by the time I got to it, like, the seventh time around. And then because I watched Bandersnatch, like, deep in a cave by myself for many hours, and then I watched it again with my husband and my friend later that same mm-hmm. day, um, when they got to it, they laughed again. And so, like, there was, there is something that really works about that moment, even though it's also just... You have to wonder at what point, like, like a giant banner, like, unfurls from the ceiling and says, like, corporate synergy. I mean, right.
1: Well, I mean, that's, it's so illustrative of the way, maybe Black Mirror generally, but in particular this thing, I was really um, in a kind of, you know, interesting and also very sort of suspect and cynical way, kind of having it both ways. So this is a super, like meta twist. And it is also like a branding exercise for Netflix. And you have to wonder at a certain point, um, you know, what could be more Black Mirror than the fact that while you are, you know, interacting with this thing, a company whose entire business model is built on collecting data about its users is collecting data about your the personal choices that you make in a narrative situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this whole, is this whole thing just like I mean, it, it, if this if you playing Bandersnatch was a Black Mirror episode, this would be an exercise to collect data and have this big sort of behavioral model of all its users. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. And it and it definitely in that moment, um, you can feel the two versions. Like you can feel the Netflix version being like, "Haha, it's funny and we're self aware," but you're still playing it. Haha. And then you can feel. I'm sure Charlie Brooker is like. I want you to think about that in that moment. I'm sure he is aware that he's trying to elicit some of that, right. some of that thought. But how much does it matter if I'm aware that you're collecting my data if I'm still giving it to right. you?
1: Right, Yes, I mean, if, I mean, eventually, you know, eventually, I mean, the the story becomes. Um, you know, one about kind of giving the player. Yeah. Um, Stefan realizes that the key to sort of making Bandersnatch work is to give the player less choice, to give them the illusion of choice while you were only picking from among a limited number of, of options and endings. This, of course, is also the story of Bandersnatch. And you are very aware that they are aware of this as you were telling us. But it does not make it's like I'm glad that you know that. Um, but I still don't. You don't have to like it. Yeah. Um, so the, the Netflix endings. If you choose that path, you get to – There are a couple different endings there. Um, we've sort of talked about the ones where you can kind of you sort of dead end if you make the wrong choice in the the game office. These are the first things that sort of feel more like like actual endings.
0: And you know, because you get a little you get a little bug in the set in the corner of your screen that says like, now you could exit to credits yes. if you wanted to.
1: So if you if you take the Netflix path, you get two choices. Um, one of this involves, and they're both even even sort of more more meta one of them involves um kind of going to a a appointment with your therapist who's played by um alice Lowe, um director of i am the pretty thing that lives in the house which is a movie that you can also watch on netflix strangely enough and so stefano sort of explains this whole thing to her and she says well if this were an entertainment like wouldn't it be more entertaining Oh, yes. Oh, Wink. Oh, oh. And then she says, like, wouldn't there be, like, a fight scene or something? And then you have a choice. I believe it's between yes and fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, and either way, she kind of just gets up and the the sort of texture of the cinematography stuff, and she pulls out these big, like, kind of retractable batons, and all of a sudden there's a big, like, martial arts fight. Um, and you can either fight her or try and jump out the window. Um, if you try to jump out the window, um, the camera pulls back. It turns out the window does not open because, in fact, you are on a set Blowing your mind now, um, and then and then everyone realizes that they're on the set of this Netflix show except Stefan, who who is then kind of just lost in this um, Truman Show world or something. If you choose to fight her, um, you, you get sort of pulled out the door by your dad, um, kicking and screaming. Um, that is also an end. But so then, in either way, we'll circle back to this. Give me a sign moment, um, and this is where you're sort of touching on this before, but. Um, you realize, you know, you were supposed to kind of choose the glyph and is when maybe certainly if you've already circled through this like three or four times, you start to realize that the kind of the the best choice to make in quotes, um, the one that sort of will extend the story and give you a more sort of dramatically um, complex uh, path is to go deeper and deeper into Stefan's psychosis. So you don't take your meds. You nope. um, you you know you tell him that actually, yes, this psychosis is about like um, the, the glyph, the significance of the glyph in the story is this is the thing that the science fiction author um, who eventually became consumed by this idea himself, this is the thing that he scrawled on the wall in blood after cutting his wife's head off. Yes. So you basically, anything you could do to make Stefan crazier um, will give you a better story.
0: Yes, and crucially, it's the only way to to fully push him into psychosis. Is the only ending where he ends up making a good version of the game Bandersnatch.
1: Yes, um, and in fact, because then what happens is is if you push him into this thing, um, you have there's a, a branch in here where he can um, go down to his um, sort of his father's locked study, which you've seen at the beginning of the episode. Um, Sometimes he doesn't go back there at all. If you do go back there, you are presented with a locked cabinet. Um, There's a variety of uh, there's you get a choice of three letter codes to put in there. If you cycle back through the game a couple more times, there is another code to put in there and still another code to put in there. If you do sort of a tricky series of of yes, no um, things, you can actually sort of conjure up the ghost of of Jerome F. Davis. Um, But. There is a way to do this where it sort of confirms that actually he has been that Stefan has been part of this kind of weird behavioral study his entire life. And what's pre- been presented, we haven't even talked about this yet, but sort of the, the character's um, backstory is that his uh, mother, um, when he was a, a kid, he had this sort of stuffed rabbit that he loved and his dad decided that he was too old for it. So his dad hid it from him Um his mother was leaving the house in the morning, but five-year-old Stefan was very upset that they couldn't find this bunny. Um, so they were both looking at for looking for it together. As a result of that, she missed her regular train and ended up on a later train. That train then crashed and killed her. So yeah. he played um, factually but not kind of morally. He played some role in, like, putting her on this fatal train. train right. Um. And if And if you put the right code into the cabinet, you discover that... Um, In fact I guess like she wasn't his mother this isn't his father this has all been this sort of behavioral study he's been kind of dosed and drugged and yeah but they never
0: give you that as an actual like you go through that whole cycle that's never the like actual end point right. It always does this. You you say like, oh, my goodness, I I finally understand the whole thing is about behavior control. And you you see them do the like the father's like doing the experiment and people are the the therapist is judging him as a child. And then you still hit another endpoint and it cycles you back. And it's not one of those exit to credit ones. It's like, all right, let's let's try it again. So this is one of my this was frustrating for me because I felt like. They had this alternate sort of backstory version, but it didn't actually create a meaningfully different ending option. And so instead, like the Colin dies on the on the balcony moment, there are sort of these big branch points that because of logistics, because the, you can't make every infinite option or because they just weren't interested in those versions, Um it, I could see the ghosts of other branches that I wasn't even given access to.
1: Right, well that was the sort of the, the bullshit calling moment for me as I mentioned, I kind of wrote a, a piece that was just focused on the endings and I was just kind of going through them numerically and they had said there were five main ones. I, I counted sort of eight, not counting the ones where it just sort of, you just hit a den and it stops. Like if you pour tea over your computer, yeah. you blow up your computer and that's the end and then it then it just says, okay, try it again. Uh, And I realized that I was sort of at the end of this piece and I was like, wait, I've never I've never written about like this whole uh, PAX, which is, you know, program and control study, but is also a play on. Pac-Man because Colin gives him this whole lecture about like how oh. you're just like Pac-Man Colin. um chasing ghosts in the maze and if you go out one side you just come back in the other yeah <laughs> this is I, I, should be, I should be making like a wank noise yep. my, with one of my hands here yep. um but I realized that I had not written about that whole part of the thing and then I realized that I didn't need to because it didn't actually affect the endings yeah. at all and yeah. that's like how can something that huge well, it's not just, make a difference it
0: seems so obvious if you were just sitting down and writing it that there would be one way to do that story where it did end up as a dream sequence and then you get funneled back to the other endings or that it would be the real thing and then that would be its separate ending like it was one of the most obvious like actual choices that could happen in a storytelling reality that that just fizzles into nothing um so yeah that was that was something that was uh, a sort of tell for me um I also found the idea that he sort of goes into, and the, the bunny, and then sort of which one might be a realish ending to mm-hmm. be equally frustrating, right. but yeah.
1: All right, so so that's, there's sort of two more genres of endings. We don't need to talk about them all individually, but the, the sort of, the first one, and there are about, uh, you know, I think like four or five different paths that all lead in roughly the same direction is you... you thrust Stefan deeper into the depths of his psychosis um, he has a fight with his dad um, you have to you are basically not given the choice to kill him you say like you know hit dad or don't hit dad if you say don't hit dad he resists for like 10 seconds and then hits him with the ashtray anyway he dies um, you have a choice whether to and this is this is where you, it really just becomes like okay you just need to make this guy as like crazy as possible you yeah. have a choice whether to bury his body or cut it up Theoretically, the rationale there is that if you cut it up, um, it takes longer for his body to be found, and then Stefan has time to actually finish Bandersnatch, yeah. and it be- and it becomes a masterpiece, um, which is then um, pulled off the shelves after they realize that he killed his dad. If you just bury him in the yard, um, the dogs dig him up. Stefan gets caught sometimes after killing um, one of, of three other characters as well. Um, but he ends up in, in jail sort of every way. Um, but Bandersnatch gets... Most of these ways get kind of completed one way or the other. Um, you have the sort of nerdy T V guy pop up and give him I think there's a there's a two and a half star ending and a five star ending. Yeah. This way. If you if you cut up your dad, um you get a five, five star, star ending. <laughs> sure. And that way there's all, there's also an even more an even more black mirror y like flash forward to um the game gets pulled off the market. Um, but then it is revived in what seems to be more or less the present day by a young female uh, programmer, who, Colin's you,
0: daughter. Yes,
1: Sue. Yes, if you catch the name, is Colin's daughter. Um, you see her coding this thing, which turns out to be the exact thing you have just been watching. You <gasps> see like the opening scene again, and then she starts having you know Stefan-ish, um problems with the, the thing crashing, and you she gets a choice. You you are given again the choice between pouring her tea on the computer and destroying it. Yeah. Um, and scene and scene, yes,
0: right. So that's like, but there is one other alternate ending, yes. right. So I think there's like a tension between which of these you think is the realish one because I think there's an argument to be made for that that the Collins daughter making a Netflix show called Bandersnatch is, the real ending because just from a formal perspective it's the only one where footage from the game slash tv episode is intercut with the final credits so where you're getting like a little bit of story and then you'll get a little black mirror credit and story again which just feels like the way a tv show actually ends and it is right? the
1: most sort of classically like black right exactly ending. yes
0: absolutely but this other ending um Okay, well, t- 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 explain what the last ending is, and then I want to tell you why I think it's the real one.
1: Okay, yeah. So this is um, this is an ending that I think you can only get. I uh, this is I can't sort of vouch for, like, the exact path here, but I, I was only sort of able to access it after finishing the game, one of those Kill Dad endings. And then if you— I, get, I got this one first, actually. Okay, wow, okay. Yeah. So there is another— So, but um, if you— do a certain series of, of commands um, and you may need Reddit's help to do this, but you are given the choice um, to put a, the three-letter code toy into that locked cabin in your dad's office and when you do that, um, you pull out this stuffed bunny that played this sort of pivotal role in the flashback to the death of his mother. Um, the scene then shifts into the, path, uh, into the past and all of a sudden you were looking at five-year-old Stefan instead of the 19-year-old one you've been watching that far. Um, it goes back to that morning where his mother is sort of getting on or not getting on the fatal train. Um, it just isn't the first time, and I think probably the cruelest thing in the whole, um, first playthrough is that when it gives you that flashback, it says, you know, like, oh, do you go with mom or not? And it, it gives you, everywhere else it gives you two choices. There it just gives you one choice, and it's no. And if you press it or you don't press it, it's exactly the same. Yeah. So um, this time, you, you put the bunny back where it was supposed to be, um, Five-year-old Stefan finds it, um, but it's still too late to keep your mom off the train. She's still getting on the 845, no matter what. So the choice you have is to go with her or not to go with her. If you say no, you cycle back and go into the, some of the endings we've already talked about. Um, if you say yes, um, then you end up on the train with her that you know is going to crash and you're going to die. It, there's still this very beautiful kind of, you know, warm brown um, sunlit shots of, of mother and son on the train, um, I think it, I think they're get like a full white screen or something that implies the train yeah. has crashed without them needing to spend the money to do an actual train crash, and then there's a smash cut to adult Stefan in his therapist office, having just had some sort of you know aneurysm or something like that. Um, he's dead. He just the therapist says like he was here ten seconds ago and then he just died. Um, That is more or less the ending, except that then there is, if you watch through the credits, of course, one more scene where it cycles back to the beginning again and the scene where um, Stefan is riding to the Tucker offices and he is, you have the choice initially to listen to, um, I think it's Thompson Twins or Eurythmics. Um, This time, what he puts in his Walkman is because this, this is set in the era when um, computer programs also came on cassette tape so what he puts in his Walkman is the demo version of Bandersnatch and so he plays that you get this sort of you know uh, static sound of if you if you are old enough to remember what a dial up modem used to sound like sounds like that mm-hmm. and that is the that is the ending so you kind of get this sort of Gesture. psychic psychic finality of, of closure that also means um, killing um, your character But and then it sort of finds another way to sort of be even yet more recursive and go back to the beginning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, so I actually got that ending the first time and I could not for the life of me tell you exactly what choices I made that ended up there. But um, I got it the first time and I was like, oh, that's weird. And I was frustrated because because um, for a lot of the same reasons that it frustrates me that, like, the only good way to make the game is to be as psychotic as possible, it is frustrating to me that the sort of healthy realization for Stefan that he was not at fault for his mother's death just also ends in him dying again, right? Like, there's no—and then he moved on and yes. had a successful artistic life. Um, so, so one of the things that I did after I played through that version and then I went back and I played through all the Nevelin and I got all the different versions, just out of curiosity, I started it from the beginning again and then touched nothing. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't ever make a selection, it does pick something for you. And so I touched nothing and I whenever I hit a scene that would sort of go for a while, I would just hit 10 seconds forward and sort of speed through as many versions as I could. And what happens if you do that and you don't choose to exit to credits is that it slowly plays through all of the major endings of the of Bandersnatch um, in I don't in, in a sort of order that goes through all of the versions of him in prison first, and then this death one is the last one that you get. Okay. Um, so that was kind of what I was curious about because I I was thinking that there had to have been some kind of default version of Bandersnatch. Like right. what is the what is Bandersnatch Zero, you right. know? And I was frustrated because I wanted them to have made a choice, basically, and the choice was to make no choice. The choice was that, like, they still give you all of the endings, except for perhaps that that is the last one. And so then the signal is that, like, that's the realest one, kind of, or the the final, final one, the one where he dies. Um, But that was a really interesting exercise first of all it doesn't actually give you every iteration again because you can't go but ba- it doesn't go back and play a different version where you choose thompson twins instead of the right. compilation so it doesn't do the silly music ones or the serial ones but it does let you go through and see all of these different tiny re-edit scenes that they do mm. um and you can kind of see I, in one of my favorite so the 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 Netflix on the computer and the um, the version where you don't fight the therapist and then it becomes a TV set are the most obvious meta ones. But the ones that I think are sort of silliest and most enjoyable that are that are legitimately enjoyable and not like, oh, corporate synergy is also happening right now (laughs) are um, the ones where. If you're just an idiot and you don't seem to learn, eventually you get a couple scenes where Stefan is in the office with Colin and Colin says, like, fine, I'll just send you to where you want you to go. And he claps and it pushes you back into an earlier version. Oh, wow. Which that one I really enjoyed because it felt like the game was frustrated with me, which at least then felt like my feelings about it were being reflected back at me, which I appreciated. Um, so but that was a really interesting exercise for me because I did because I. I kept wanting Bandersnatch to do for a game that doesn't a game whatever it is that does a ton of heavy lifting like it, it is so much about effort like there's so much effort just on display constantly in the experience of this thing I wanted it to do more heavy lifting thematically or to make some kinds of narrative choices. And it just, that uh, trying to find what the default was, was just an infuriating exercise and like, nope, I'm still going to give you every possible thing. Um, And that, that was uh, illuminating for me while also being a solid waste of about three hours.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the the article you wrote about this for Vulture is kind of headlined, you know, is this the dawn of interactive TV? So um, I mean, like, what was it was the experience of like doing this like for you? Like is this something you wanna do again?
0: Yeah. So my my feeling about Bandersnatch was simultaneously finding it to be a truly impressive act of technological innovation and feeling very frustrated that the story didn't seem to actually want to explore any of the ramifications of being a a technological and innovative wonder, right? Like, it's a story about how tech is bad and it is existing on this beautiful, seamless switching between all of these different um, video streams, um, which is just this weird, frustrating cognitive dissonance. Um, The other thing that I was really thinking about as I was writing that piece was that the rea- the realization that that Stefan comes to in order to make a good version of Bandersnatch, is that he has to take away all the free will, right? That's the only way to make it to make it really good. And the sort of like cutesy realization of that is like, and that's bad. Like yes. we take away all of free will, and that's terrible. But that's what good stories do. Like you know, actual choices being made in order to control a narrative is what gives us satisfying experiences when we are reading. Nobody comes away from masterful works of fiction and says like, boy, what would be so great is if the author had instead made no choices. Um, and so it was it was it was annoying to me that I, that, again, all of these things that I think are much more complicated and good and bad are just constantly cast as negative, you know?
1: Right. It was interesting. Um, James Ponowazek wrote a piece about um, Bandersnatch and uh, for The Times that also um, kind of ropes in the ending of The Sopranos. And his his argument was that actually, while appearing to give you more choices, this gives you fewer. Because yeah. in, in fiction, you know, as you're saying, like, obviously, you know, Most authors kind of only tell the story one way. So the choices they make are, you don't go, does Anna Karenina, like, throw herself in front of the train or not? It just happens. Yeah. Um, But, you know, he's saying that actually you end up with fewer because in in fiction you can sort of imagine, like, well, what if she hadn't done that? What if Raskolnikov, like, didn't kill the landlady? But in this, and so there are theoretically sort of an infinite number of ways the story could have gone despite the fact that it only went one way. Um, in this you are shown kind of all the other possibilities and there are like three of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, and I think that's... But that those are still authors making choices, right. right? Like even in the version where in the end of Sopranos or in, you know... Mrs. Dalloway. I mean, all of these different moments that sort of end with ambiguity is still an author making a choice for ambiguity. Right. Right. And they're saying, like, it's yours now. But that's because they've built up this whole world and they've they've established this um, firm authorial sort of momentum. And then there are these moments when they back away. And so it's the interplay of those things. And so this this also then gets back to that experience of like trying to figure out what the default was, which was like the default is I just show you everything I
1: made. Right. Right. I mean, for me, the way in which this is, I don't know if you had this experience or not, but I did um, have the feeling. And interestingly for me, I mean, it is kind of related to like how I watched it. Not that I was kind of like up at three in the morning in a a bed in my in-laws house. But the fact that I was watching it on an iPad and like holding it in my hands, Mm -hmm. um, You know, I I did sort of start to feel like responsible for some of the choices and the ones where like the one with his mom where you like you your only choice is no. Yeah. You know, or like where you like you sort of have to there are choices where you kind of have to do bad things to him. Like you can't choose not to kill your dad. Yeah. Um and I and obviously being manipulated there. I mean, in the most literal sense, and I still kind of felt like an emotional twinge there. Mm -hmm. Like I I felt I knew that I was being forced to make him do something bad. Yeah. Um, you know, and in fact, like Charlie Brooker is kind of behind me, like pressing yes no on a screen that's like watching me watching Black Mirror. Yeah. Um, but I, I did feel like an emotional component to that. And my sort of and I think this is in in keeping with Black Mirror, an idea that is both like galaxy brain and like right. super obvious, um, is that if a narrative, if a narrative protagonist is defined is by the choices they make then the protagonist of the story like isn't Stefan it's you right sure you, you are the one deciding things so this is actually um so you are the one kind of experiencing the emotions and the and the results of of dealing with this thing and i don't um i guess one of the questions i asked is sort of is sort of like like that's a that's kind of interesting it's like a new flavor of ice cream or something like that sure. like it's something to kind of you know savor for a little bit and think about um but then it's also sort of like for what if Black Mirror is yeah. at heart kind of the series about like what we do with with technology, you know? Is this saying something about like free will or narrative or like storytelling or is it just kind of like
0: Giant I jerk made this? Off hand. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, so, <laughs> so there's so I think all of that is absolutely is active here. I think it's also really hard to. For me, it was hard to think about those emotional moments. I, I also felt emotional twinge. The problem is that if you then are like, oh, I felt an emotion and so now I am invested and so now I want to keep playing this game, what you get is not more emotion. What you get is exhaustion. Right. And it can't seem to be both of those. Th- I mean, like, like the invitation to more is also the inevitable invitation to be like, oh boy, Bandersnatch. I mean, it, it kind of can't it wants to it should tell you to end at some point like oh you got the emotional hit like you're tap out you're done but it can't it just tells you like do it again do more and then the act of having more is just like oh boy i hit this netflix scene again that's the one i can't fast forward through as quickly as the rest of it um so i think that's a real it's a real area where the questions that it wants to raise are sort of hampered by its own hampered by its own form um I also kept constantly wondering what this form of storytelling, what interactive storytelling, what this sort of beautiful, seamless video experience would look like if it were any other genre of thing. Right. Like, what does the rom-com version of this look like? What does the detective version of this look like? The detective one is easier for me to imagine because that's a genre that's built on sort of questions and answers and yeses and nos, but what is the, like... What is the teenage coming of age version of this one? Or like,
1: what's like, yeah, what's the Chekhov version of this? Like, do you sell the family farm, you know? Do you like, yeah. Mean, yeah, any of that? Yeah,
0: right. And um, and again, I've, I I ha- I kept wondering if this was like an ex- a, a sort of proof of concept of this kind of interactive form that was being. Uh, that was actually being uh, performed in like my m- most frustrating version, right? Where like the one that I wanted was like the Jane the Virgin right. option of Bandersnatch,
1: right? And one of one of the the ways in the most sort of satisfying ways for me to think about this is um, this: some version of this interactive technology is not new on Netflix. I mean, it's been rolled yeah. out exclusively, and this is possibly also extremely dystopian it has been ruled out ex- rolled out exclusively in like children's programming up to this so point dystopian. yes um but this is the first thing that um netflix has bl- branded as a netflix interactive film and it's like a little asterisk in the corner of the art to let you know that and um one of the things they've done with this in addition to you know soaking up like all this data on us and our choices is they've also got Charlie Brooker um, and and uh, David Slater directed it, uh, Annabelle Jones and the whole rest of the Black Mirror crew. They spend, um, I think it was a year and a half, two years basically doing this proof of concept for them like they you know you you got like an artist and he actually had to write in addition to the programming language that it works in he had to learn a programming language just to write it so that he could kind of keep all the different decision trees straight so you you know they basically had Charlie Brooker kind of do R&D for them for a couple of years and work out exactly what these things look like and now the architecture for this thing is established um and so that kind of heavy lifting has has been done and sure. I, it's gonna it would presumably be a lot more a lot easier for other people to do this in the future
0: do you want to watch more versions do you want like more interactive media experiences like this
1: I mean I have the interactive storytelling I have like ne- is never something that I've wanted like it's I'm a person who you know if you go out for you know like one of those restaurants where they sort of you know put a little stove in front of you and, and like let you barbecue your own meat. I'm just like, I, if I wanted to cook, I would stay home. Like, right. Just, I, you're better th- at this than me. You cook it and bring it out to me when you the professional cook has done it properly. And I feel the same way about storytelling. Like if, if I wanted to tell stories, I would write novels. Yeah. Um, I would rather have someone who is good at, you know, telling a story. Sure. Tell me a story. Yeah. Um, This this was, you know, the rare instance where it was kind of interesting for me. And I would I would I would do something like this maybe like, you know, twice a year. Or something like that. I don't want. I don't want Netflix to put out twelve of these a week, like they do right. with everything else. Oh, I would. God,
0: can you imagine?
1: I, I mean, I can very much imagine not playing them. Like I don't watch ninety yeah. percent of what Netflix puts out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. I can't. A, a marketplace flooded with these is um the truly kind of dystopian scenario. But, you know, I I would be interested. You know, I think it's absolutely right. And because, you know, because. You know, Charlie Brooker, as you mentioned, kind of comes out of of gaming um, and most of this technology is familiar to people from games. It's kind of come out of that culture and and it's often bent around these very, you know, generally sort of masculine genres. So it's built around dystopian sci-fi. It's built around kind of detective stories and, um, you know, uh, sword adventures and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, um, what if you know, what if there were a romantic comedy version about this? I would love to see that, I think, would would really interest me, someone to put this tech to use for a, a, a genre where you're not used to seeing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's interesting to me that we are sort of, we have been stuck for quite a while in this space where the, like, interactive choose-your-own-game thing uh, has been in the that, that kind of genre of thing, in part because I think it sort of plays with the, like, uh, I'm gonna give you control, but not actually that much sort of tension. So uh, because they all have to, they all end in like death or right. sort of some kind of terrible status quo that is stuck. There's not, they're not happy versions in almost yeah. all of these genres.
1: Or there, or it starts with the death and you solve the mystery or something like that. But right, it's exactly. Always built around that sort yes. of structure. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think there is also right like. The version of this where he's making healthy choices every day and just attempting to, like, be a successful video game. At what point is that not just like, oh, I'm I'm just living my life like this is what I'm attempting to do as I get out of bed every day. How is it different if I go on Netflix (laughs) and also take my meds? You know, I mean, so I understand the need for it to be a thought experiment in some kind of way. But I wish it were sillier.
1: Well, and it, yeah, again, it comes out of this very, which a lot of the rest of TV, or all of TV, if this is not TV, uh, but, I mean, the, the general sort of TV meeting has been weaning itself off this idea of drama as yeah. being, you know, this particular this sort of, you know, dark, anti-heroic, serious, you know, like death and trauma-driven thing and been like, well, what if, you know, what if Jane the Virgin? Um, and maybe this is, could finally be a way for interactive who dads or whatever we want to call this. Um, finally to kind of follow in its footsteps.
0: Yeah. Jane the Virgin or, um, or Mike. Sure. If the good place were interactive, that would be fun.
1: Very good. Yeah. I like it. Um, all right. I'm Mike to make sure I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, we will look forward to your new content. Yeah. Um, thank you all for listening um thank you catherine for joining us
0: it's my pleasure i'm so happy to be here um i don't want to watch any more bandersnatch though
1: all right please subscribe to the slate spoiler special podcast feed and if you like the show please rate and review it in the apple podcast store or wherever you get your podcasts if you have suggestions for movies or tv shows we should spoil or if you have any other feedback you'd like to share please send it to spoilers at slate.com our producer is danielle hewitt i'm sam adams